0: Well, hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Andy Bannister uh, from the Sola Centre for Public Christianity up in Bonnie, Scotland, up in Dundee, and I'm joined as, uh, as ever by my uh, co-host, partner in crime, all those titles, Christy Mayor. Christy, how are you doing today down in London?
1: Hey, Andy, doing well, thank you very much. I've just moved studies, so um, while our listeners can't see it, I've got a great blank slate behind me at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to filling in some of these shelves sometimes. Yeah,
0: realizing people don't see the, the audio for obvious reasons because you don't, you know, you, you could have figured that up. You could have said, I've got this new study with miles of shelves and painted this great turret.
1: The turret of my the...
0: yeah. Anyway, well, I'm in Dundee, you're in London, but our guest today comes to us from a third point of the compass. We do north, we we can do south. We can do west. We're joined today by Dom Muir from uh, who comes to today from Somerset. Dom, how are you doing? Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Christy. Great to be on the show. And of course, you and I actually, although you're in Somerset, you and I, we I recall we we, we actually met in Scotland, didn't we? Back it back in the summer.
2: Yeah, refuel that. that's Big, lovely Scottish worship festival.
0: Yeah, so lo- lovely, big Scottish worship festival when the sun shines and when it when it rains, it's more um, it's like a mud bath. Well, I've only been shine.
2: once and it was glory. It was incredibly hot. I mean, we were all getting sunburned. It was sort of freakish, but yes.
0: That is the Scottish summer, Dom. It does that every year. It does that <laughs> every year. Um, this show is sponsored by the Scottish Tourism Board. Um, so, Dom, one of the things that I was struck by is a way into the more serious stuff that we want to talk about uh, today. You describe yourself in, in various ways, right? You're, you know, I mean, actually, why don't you tell us who you are rather than me trying? Because I remember you gave me this great long explanation in the summer of all the different things you're into. So oh, for people that don't I... know Dom Muir, in a nutshell, <laughs> what are you up to? And who are you? Oh, uh, well,
2: okay. Um, try and be serious. Uh, so uh, I am Dom. I'm 45, married with uh, two children, one on the way, and I am. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm passionate about people meeting Jesus. I, I run a charity called Now Believe, which has uh, an arm called Jesus Fields, which run a bit, which runs events, and um, I also run. Uh, a business with my wife Thea, who, which is called "I Am So Many Things," which is all about true identity—who God says we are—and we, um, we have books and, and courses around that, and also um, uh, sell products. But, but yeah, I think my, my my passion at the moment is to see is to see people come to Jesus, is to to see the millions in this nation, and particularly who don't know the Lord get saved. And to get out on the streets and and preach the gospel, I love the gospel and I love to preach it.
0: Now, one of the things that struck me when we met at the Refuel Festival, and I think the thing we're going to dig into a bit today over the next kind of twenty minutes or so, is you know very soon after we'd met at Refuel, you began telling me stories about the thing that street evangelism is something you're 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 passionate about. You love kind of getting out there on the streets and sharing the gospel. And what I was struck by. Um, was when I was, I, think I was a younger Christian in my teens. Street evangelism was everywhere. There were you could do, you know, short term missions in the summer. I remember learning sketchboarding and being taught as a young Christian how to get out there and and do it. You don't see so much of it these days. But what? But before we dig into perhaps why that is, tell us a bit about why why you're passionate about taking the gospel into the streets. Maybe perhaps a story of, of some, you know, a story of some, a time that you've done that and, and and God has showed up to give people a flavour of what we're talking about.
2: Mm. Well, first of all, I would say that it, it is actually going up again. I think I think you're right in saying that there used to be a lot more of it. And I, I think recently there has been a um, a big rise in it. But so for me, um, I was challenged by the more I fell in love with the Lord and the more uh, and got into His Word, I would see you know scriptures like "Go to the highways and byways, compel them to come in" uh, from Jesus in Luke 14. You know, this the, the great commands and commission of go go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation and and i just became convicted and 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 challenged by by that by the by the word of the lord really speaking to me and in the fact that so much ministry doesn't happen in buildings and religious buildings and i uh I was inspired by, you know, the, the moves of God throughout history, the, the Wesleys, the Whitfields, the St. Patrick's. You know, a lot of these guys just roamed the land on uh, either walking or on horseback, preaching the gospel, and nor- ordinary folk would come to the Lord. And I suppose the more I, the more I became convinced that actually the power of, uh, of God to save people is hidden in this gospel message. Uh, it's foolishness to the, the Greek mindset And the intellect, but nevertheless, it is God's means of salvation. The more that that the more I got faith for that, the more I thought, you know what? I could just go into a street where there's loads of people, preach this message, and their eternities would be changed, and you know, a family line would be changed. I just got a a a whiff of the potential of an ordinary day. So, not only did from that place did I start. organizing missions i had a soho mission in london in the red light district for seven years on a thursday night where we had uh, a table and, and soup and donuts and we preached the gospel there we had a big cross we would put up in the middle of the red light district but to get you you asked for an example the other day th- my wife and i were just wandering the streets of edinburgh just having ice creams and hanging out and we walked down the main street that leads to the sort of castle at the bottom i forget the name of it but it's sort of the big street in, in edinburgh And um, we went past what seemed like the main church of that street, must be the the cathedral or something, and there was a lady uh, doing fortune-telling sitting at a table right by the gates of this church. And a sort of righteous indignation came over me. I thought, it's fine. Look, if you want to do fortune-telling, which, you know, by the way, is spiritually pretty dangerous, at least go, you know, hire a, a a hall or something but to do it right by the church door um was a bit much for me in that moment so we so i i said to her, do you mind so i i tried to ask her because it you never quite know what's going to happen when you preach the gospel and we had our children with us and so i started singing amazing grace in the street that's normally my start point i'm not a great singer but i it's a great song to introduce people to the gospel and sort of soften hearts and 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 sure enough, people started. You know, the, some waiters came out of the restaurants, and there was a sort of sense of um, uh, uh, neighborly love as I sang the song. And um, there was even some applause, actually, from this particular head waiter. And uh, then I went into the gospel message, which I normally start with John three sixteen, in case someone gives me only three seconds. And that went down all right as well. When I after I'd unpacked it, um, it began to get a little bit more bumpy because I needed to, you know, talk about the cross. Why did Jesus die? And then I brought up words like sin and stuff like that. But, you know, I I got it out in about three or four minutes and um, uh, it was great. You know, you get people passing by, you get others stop. I had a a sort of Spanish Catholic who stopped and was signing the cross and, you know, really um, encouraging afterwards. And For me, it's just remembering about the one, you know, there just could be one person, and they might not even stop either. They might wander past, but they know that God was speaking to them in that moment. That really excites me. His word never returns void. So there's one example. There are plenty of others, but yeah, that's how I I do it.
1: Dom, that's (laughs) that's incredible. I'm sitting here listening to this story, and I think a part of me is elated, and another part of me is just terrified. (laughs) I, I imagine if you, if you, um, what kind of responses you usually get in the if, if, if you, okay, how? What advice would you give me as someone who's quite happy to do street evangelism to the extent that you know you might have a question on a board? And you're inviting mm. people into that space rather than wonderfully, it sounds very beautifully as well, um, singing Amazing Grace just spontaneously. You, uh, what kind of advice would you give someone um, who's starting out on more of the, that's quite a, I'm moving into your space rather than inviting somebody to move into mine? How would you, what top tips do you have to get started? I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I think I'd feel a bit embarrassed just singing in the street.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Christy. I think, you know, I start, I remember when I first did a street mission, just like the one you were explaining, and I, I was on the King's Road in London and I stood by McDonald's with my hand out with a tract in it and I was terrified. And I think a lot of it is like you've just got to start somewhere and bit by bit, Die. I mean, I when I take streets, when I take people around the streets, I say that you know, that I, I I I try and say that love, gospel love, looks like two things. It looks like showing up because a lot of the time you just got to get out there, and that's eighty percent of the battle. You got off your sofa, whatever you turned up and you were there. And then the last twenty percent, or if percentage is the right way of putting it, is just dying to the flesh, dying to yourself. There's a guy who really inspires me called. uh, Baxter of Kidderminster you might have heard of him he was a revivalist a kind of circuit rider a couple of centuries back and he would say I preached as though never sure to preach again and as a dying man to dying men and 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 I try and remind myself that you know today is a gift and what if this was the last day we were on the planet like how would you really live and would you really care what people thought and so some of it just is a death to self and reputation and and just encouraging people be a fool for christ you know remember take take on the fear of god and not the fear of man and just embrace these things hold them to your chest and and bit by bit step out so for me i remember when i first preached it was in soho london i'd avoided it for four years because I know. I knew I was called. These God had been speaking to me about these old revivalists. He'd been speaking to me about the unction and the anointing to preach, which He'd given me. But I just, I just thought street preaching is just, it's just embarrassing. And I, and I had a, in my mind, I had this picture of these slightly unhinged um, Christians who dress badly and put people off God. And the church kind of hates them. And I'm gonna. Not only have I lost a lot of my he, hedonist friends when I got saved, now I'm going to lose my Christian friends. I'll end up with no friends. And so, you know, that was my rather narrow-minded understanding of street preaching in in the 20, 20th, twenty first century. But one a girl, one night, a girl. We were in a bar, and I was with some some Christian friends. She just said, "Look, Dom, do it." And I just knew it was God speaking through this particular person. And so the next day I I got up in Soho and I preached. And it was a bit of a mess, but I got some stuff out there. God loves you. Jesus is real. And and bit by bit you you grow. I would encourage people to take a scripture. Take a John 3.16. You don't have to go on a ladder. You don't have to on a stepladder or a, or a soapbox. You could start. Once, a lot of the time I'll be in a bus. I'll be on the top deck of a bus and I'll, and I'll just say, uh, sc- excuse me, everyone, um, sorry to bother, a bit strange, but I feel like someone needs to hear this this verse from the Word of God. And, and you know, one person will look up, one person will look at their shoes, someone else will. You'll get a whole mix of reactions, but just hold on to the fact that most of the time everyone's listening, and I'll give them the verse. I might tag on my testimony. I try and tag on my testimony a lot because there's something about telling your story that everyone really really listens to and also it makes you vulnerable when you talk about your own journey and your own brokenness and sin and what jesus has done for you it it, it's very hard for someone to look at you in that moment and go well you're holier than thou you're judging me you're actually coming alongside and that's a great way of building bridges and so on some level there are some keys i mean another thing i've got for people who are a bit more radical um i can I, i have a pickup truck uh, it's like a f- standard farmyard pickup truck which i've i've actually done up now but i'll i'll drive i'll drive that into somewhere or, uh, or into a marketplace or a high street and you can stand off the back of that and um you know tell stories read poetry whatever i saw someone the other day i was i was preaching actually in london yesterday and he just had his speaker out and he had someone reading the bible like he didn't say anything he just had the word of god being read out and actually it was quite effective so there's all sorts of ways to start and i think the best thing to do is just start
0: yeah i love i love the just starting thing actually because it's interesting before before we uh we were recording the podcast i was uh, i was on a on a call with um quite one evangelist called jay john we hope to get jay john onto the He's promised to come onto the podcast at some point. drop, uh, Andy
1: Bannister. I know, <laughs> I know.
0: I know about. It. Well, no, I like. There was a story he told me. He that he told me that one of the things he loves to do is to is to give people their first opportunity. He was telling me the story of someone I won't mention the name, but someone who is now quite a well known uh, evangelist. And he and because Jay John's been going for years, and he said, you know, they were doing university mission, and he came across this 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 person. He said, I thought they needed to be preaching the gospel, so I just walked up to them and said, you're doing lunch lunchtime talk tomorrow. And this guy was like, you've got to be kidding! I can't do that. And John's, yeah, you can. Yeah, Cam, give it a go. And he said it was a bit rough. And then after that, I went to him and said, "That was really good. You could do, improve a few things. Improve them. You're doing tomorrow." Now, that guy who would have never, and up till that point, stepped onto a podium, is now, you know, being used by is being used, you know, every day to do amazing things for Christ. I love your points about sometimes we just need to step up. But Dom, I want to press into that a little bit. Why? Why is it have we become afraid? Because there was more of this. I cut my teeth at Speaker's Corner on a ladder in the late 1990s, it was totally terrifying when I first did it. I don't think it actually got much easier, actually. It was always, every time I got up, was fear and trembling, lots of prayer. Mm. But we do seem to become much more sort of on the back foot. Is there is there is there some deeper reasons going on there around lack of confidence, do you think?
2: I think absolutely there are deeper reasons. I think we're in a time um, uh, spiritually, socially, politically, uh, as a nation, where we have moved, beyond Christendom. Uh, we, we no longer live in a kind of quote-unquote Christian country. So um, things that would actually have gone over quite well or certainly been harmless, like preaching the gospel uh, 20 years ago, are now more polemic and um, incendiary. And, uh, you know, we have a whole um, kind of woke, you have things like the woke movement, you have progressivism, and you have uh, all sorts of activism like LGBTQ, which puts genuine pressure on Christians. And there's a, there's a lot of intimidation out there to actually speak um, uh, the, the the message of the gospel or biblical language can get you in trouble. You know that that's the day we're living in. You wear a cross, you might get fired from being a nurse. And you hear these stories, and uh, that will put people off. Well, it tr- it certainly. The enemy uh, wants to put us off, wants to uh, silence us, wants to muzzle the proclamation of the gospel. And so I think that that's definitely played, played a role. You know, you, act, you even see it in church buildings. People, are, uh, and people who run churches are, are worried about how they, how they present the gospel. Should they update words? What can they say? And things like the message of repentance being watered down. But the fact remains is that actually this isn't anything new. I mean, it, it's been going on uh, like a roller coaster throughout history, really. And uh, so my encouragement to people is is now more than ever, does the church need to be bold? Does the church need to return to the word of God and, and the fear of God and actually really take stock of the fact that that fear of man, that man-pleasing spirit that has crept in to um, – that's not only crept into the church, but it's a general – the political correctness is is all f- formed or it's all built on the fear of man and uh so we need to shun that we need to throw it off we need to put it under our feet and actually really embrace the fear of god the privilege and the responsibility of pr- of preaching the gospel come what may whether it lands us in trouble whether the police get involved whether we get called a bigot whatever it is we really need to do stock in our own lives and and die you know paul said i don't mean physically die but but, but be prepared to do that. You know, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross. Whoever, If you try and find your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, you'll find it. And I believe it's our finest hour. I really do. I believe that all that is going on now, the swirl in society, the, the, it, it, even with the, with COVID and the, and the, and, and the lockdown, I, I really believe it's almost like the table is being laid for those who really know the way, the truth, and the life, who really have the true God, you know, forgive me. I don't mean to sound offensive, but but, but you know, not the NHS, not COVID, not the government. You know, those aren't that they aren't Lord, and actually, we have the Lord, and actually, the church needs to needs to needs to needs to step forward in this hour, in, in the power of God, in, in trusting in, that He has gone before us and and, and lead the way.
1: I, I just I love your sense of preaching here you can hear it in your your tone and your voice right now Dom thank you so much um what passion you have for this I Um, Yeah, Andy cut his teeth at Speaker's Corner. I was in Birmingham for 13 years. And you can't help but walk down New Street and you'll see kind of Muslim friends over here and there'll be um, a live reading of the Quran, perhaps over a loudspeaker. And then there'd usually be kind of some Christians over here. Some of them would be having a sign held up that said, you know, the end is nigh. And it's just real mishmash of these street evangelists. And to the point that actually I think I felt quite overwhelmed by it in in the way that I just thought, "Gosh, is this actually achieving anything?" It's just people shouting really loudly when everyone else is trying to go about their their day. <laughs> You're intruding on my space. What I'd love to hear, Dom, is is there a is there an abiding encouragement or a, or a story where you've seen God just move really powerfully and, and beautifully as you've. Very. It sounds like you've been very gentle and very wise in the way in which you've engaged with others. Is there a um, an abiding encouragement that continues to sit on your heart as as to how kind of God spoke to someone or reached them through your public proclamation of the gospel?
2: Mm, good question. I, I totally hear what you're saying, Christy, about the the sort of minefield of. Um, Messaging that's going on. There's so much out there right now. There's so many people with a message that it's almost like, well, I can't add another one, surely. And I and I think that's a real. I think that I think again, the enemy would use that to put us to put us off going out there. For those who are listening right now, who really feel that grace of God on you to go out and preach, you know that don't let it don't don't let anything stop you. I I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. There are some of you who are called and God has graced you, and the enemy wants to stifle that, and just start. But to, to speak to your question, Christy, or, uh, yeah, I would say that, um, <clears throat> you know, love never fails. I say to people, love never fails. And if you, uh, Ephesians 4.15 is a big verse for me, preaching. We, we grow up, we mature by learning to preach the truth in love. And those two things together, taking the gospel and and in. If your heart is in love, and so I say to people, have a healthy relationship with God and with people and with your church before if you are going to do this, because you are going to there will be a bit of pushback, but there are a lot of people who can, whether they're Christians or not, they can smell love, they can smell whether you've loved them. So uh, you know, sounding gong, and you know you are out there with a sign or trying to outbeat the Muslims, or whatever that. That's not a good start. It's not a good look find a different place or, or or but just keep your love on you know get to that place where you're you're out there because you you really are in a loving intimate relationship with the lord I, I my my secret place has to be really strong for me to be you know put i hope i'm not making this confusing have the first commandment first you know have a healthy first love relationship with god and then the second commandment always flows well out of that and so you could speak for 15 seconds and outspeak every other band, every other person on that high street. If you speak the truth in love, um, I would say another thing is a tool that I use is I have this sign, which says, ask any question now that, um, you know, that takes a bit of courage because some people will want to try and trip you up and prove you wrong, but it's a way of holding your hands open and saying, I'm I'm willing to have you ask questions, and actually, some of you don't want to just be spoken to. You 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 want to ask something, and and this is a two way thing, and I'm inviting you into a conversation here. So that's another thing you can do. Um, but the main thing I would say to people is uh, is don't don't be tripped up on on some of the 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 the, the, the off putting phrases like. People don't want to be preached at. Like, I, I get, I, I get that there's a truth in that, but I'm not. When I go out there, I'm not preaching at people. I'm, I'm making sure I'm uh, coming from a place of love, and I'm simply speaking the truth, and I'm allowing God to do what only He can do. It's not for me to try and. Um, you know Prove anyone wrong or, or save people i can 't do that, and that 's really important for the evangelist to remember it 's the Lord who convicts it 's the Lord who saves, and he does so using this means of preaching the gospel.
1: Dom, thank you. What a beautiful note to finish on. Keep your love on. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to speaking with you these past 20 minutes. Um, Andy, is ever, wonderful joining you. I'm afraid we're going to have to bring it to an end now. So um, listeners, thank you so much um, for listening. Um, we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks' time. But until then, uh, thank you, Don. Thanks again, Andy. And we'll see you soon.
2: Thanks, Christy. <laughs>